everyone wants to get more sleep, and there are a ton of different sleep hacks out there, noise machines, meditation, earplugs, which I do, but you can immediately transform your sleep with Bowl & Branch. We have Bowl & Branch sheets in our house. They're in white. They are so soft. In fact, we say all the time, but they really do get softer with every wash. And the sheets also come in a really pretty box, kind of wrapped up like a present just for you. They feel buttery and breathable to start. And again, as Motion and I always say, they get softer with every wash. Best of all, it feels a little bit luxurious every time you slip into bed. These best-selling sheets are also made with the finest 100% organic cotton. They are completely free from toxins, soft yet super breathable. There's a 30-night worry-free guarantee so you can wash them, style them, and sleep in them for an entire month. And if you don't really love them, you could send them back right away. And again, they're made without toxins. There's no synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde, and other harsh chemicals. So sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowl & Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use the promo code MONEWS at bowlandbranch.com. That is Bowl & Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. That promo code MONEWS, M-O-N-E-W-S, for 15%, off your order. Hey everyone, it is Monday, August 1st. I'm Mo Shwinenu and you're listening to the Mo News Podcast. This is the place where we bring you just the facts from verified sources and a breakdown of what matters in the news. We try to read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. A couple quick notable things about this day, August 1st, if it's not news enough that yes, it is already August. First off, happy birthday MTV, which officially turns 41 years old today, if you can believe it. MTV debuted on this day in 1981 with the music video, Video Killed the Radio Star by the Buggles. Gen Xers and Millennials will understand how old this makes us all feel and remember the olden days of rushing home from school to watch TRL. Looked into this and even the oldest Gen Zers born in 1996 had YouTube by the time they got to middle school. YouTube, of course, was one of the reasons, along with social media, that MTV's influence began to wane. And one more thing before we get started, on this day in 1774, English chemist Joseph Priestley conducted his famous experiments that effectively discovered oxygen. Priestley found that air is not an elementary substance, but a composition or a mixture of gases. Happy 248 years to knowing that oxygen exists. Let's get started now with today's headlines. We're monitoring catastrophic flooding in Kentucky. We're going to tell you about one state that is putting abortion to a vote on Tuesday. President Biden has tested positive for COVID again. We'll have more on that, as well as why the president is now building some of that wall on the Mexico border after saying he would never build an inch. The mega million mystery continues. So far, no one has stepped forward to claim that $1.3 billion prize. And we end, of course, with Good Mood Monday, a story that'll bring you some light as we begin yet another work week. So let's get started here. First to the deadly flash floods in Kentucky. Damage to critical infrastructure like roads and bridges and the arrival of more heavy rains hampered efforts Sunday to rescue Kentuckians. Governor Andy Beshear said the death toll has now climbed to 28 from last week's storms and unfortunately expects the number to go up further. That announcement comes as 37 people are still unaccounted for as search and rescue operations continued all day Sunday. We told you a bit about this on Friday, but the rain came in so fast that some people had to climb onto their roofs to escape the waters and await rescue. The National Guard said Sunday that 400 people have been rescued via helicopter and hundreds more have been saved via boats. The White House has declared a federal disaster to direct relief money to more than a dozen Kentucky counties. And this wasn't just concentrated in Kentucky. Last week's flooding also extended to West Virginia and Virginia. 
We learned over the weekend that President Biden again tested positive for COVID in what his doctors are calling a rebound case following treatment with that antiviral drug, Paxlovid. The White House physician said Sunday that the president continues to feel well and will keep on working from the executive residence while he isolates again. So after initially testing positive about 10 days ago on Thursday, July 21st, Biden was treated with, among other things, this antiviral drug Paxlovid. Midweek last week, he tested negative for the virus on Tuesday and Wednesday was back in the White House. So he was back at work for a few days, but in a headline that crossed on Saturday, Biden again tested positive, requiring him to cancel travel and in-person events as he now isolates again for at least five days. Paxlovid, which is produced by Pfizer, is an antiviral drug used to treat people at risk of severe illness from COVID, which was the case for Biden since he's 79 years old. But apparently Paxlovid does lead to rebound cases in a number of instances. A rebound case is characterized by either a recurrence of symptoms or a new positive viral test after having tested negative. That's according to the CDC. The White House reiterated this weekend that these rebound cases are rare. However, I have been hearing from a number of you, dozens of you, in fact, on Instagram who said the same thing happened to family members. Doctors say, though, that this is no cause for concern. And in Biden's case, he's not experiencing any symptoms. Staying with the White House now, let's head to the border. The Biden administration late last week authorized the completion of the Trump-funded U.S.-Mexico border wall in a location in southern Arizona near Yuma. Four wide gaps in the wall down in southern Arizona make it among the busiest corridors for illegal crossings along the entire 2,000-mile U.S.-Mexico border. You might remember that completing that wall was at the top of former President Trump's agenda. However, for his part, Biden campaigned against the wall, and upon taking office last January, he halted all new construction. In fact, Biden told NPR back in August 2020 in an interview that, quote, there will not be another foot of wall constructed in my administration. But in recent months, the White House has faced a lot of criticism from Republicans and some Democrats for how they're dealing with issues on the border. In fact, it turns out that Arizona Democratic Senator Mark Kelly... He's facing a tough re-election bid this fall to uh, continue to keep his seat in Arizona. He's been pushing the White House to do something. And he was one of the first people to praise his decision on Friday uh, to close the wall gaps. The U.S. has seen an influx of migrants, in some cases record numbers, come across the border in recent months. And this is going to continue to be a big issue for the Biden administration to deal with. Staying with politics here, one more thing that caught my attention this weekend. The latest headline in the seemingly on-again, off-again relationship between Democrats and that wily, conservative, contrarian senator, West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin. As Manchin did interview Sunday on network TV explaining why he now supports Biden's plan on climate and health care, he also reminded the White House and Democrats that he continues to be an independent thinker. In multiple interviews, Manchin declined to endorse Biden for president if Biden seeks a second term in 2024. Manchin also refused to say whether he even wants Democrats to retain control of Congress after the November elections. What makes this notable is that Manchin is a Democrat, and being in the minority means a lot less power for Democrats should they lose seats in November. In fact, if you went around and asked every Democrat in the House and Senate if they wanted Democrats to stay in power uh, this fall, and if they would support Biden if he ran for a second term, the answer would probably be a pretty quick yes, but Manchin, he does his own thing. Keep in mind that Manchin does face re-election in 2024 in West Virginia, and that is a state where Trump prevailed in every county in both 2016 and 2020, and in 2020 defeated Biden there by 40 points. So Manchin has to preserve this idea of independence if he wants to continue to represent West Virginia, despite how red that state is. And so as he did these interviews this weekend, he was very critical of the rise of partisanship and suggested that America's path forward will need more people like him to move beyond traditional party line politics. Now to our speed read section, which is a quick roundup of headlines from here and abroad. 
Sunscreen brand Banana Boat is pulling one of its products from shelves after an internal review found it had trace amounts of benzene, which is a chemical that causes cancer. The impacted product here is Banana Boat Hair and Scalp Sunscreen Spray SPF 30. That's the one that's being recalled. The FDA announced on Friday that a review revealed, quote, unexpected benzene levels came from the propellant that sprays the product from its can. It's the same chemical that's commonly found in gasoline and cigarette smoke. Affected products will have an expiration date of either December 2022, February 2023, or April 2024. I've also included a link in the show notes of this episode to the specific impacted lot numbers. One of the things we're looking ahead to this week is a meeting between the world's top oil producing countries on Wednesday. This comes, of course, as concerns mount over the energy supply amid Russia's all-out war in Ukraine. President Biden is hoping for progress after leaving Saudi Arabia last month without a deal to boost supply and bring down gas prices here at home. But we might not see much progress soon. Sources are telling CNBC that the group, which is called OPEC Plus, these are the uh, biggest oil uh, producing countries in the world, will consider keeping oil output unchanged for September. The sense is that so many of the world's biggest producers are already struggling to meet production quotas. That big OPEC meeting comes as oil companies posted record earnings last week. ExxonMobil, Chevron, and Shell earned a combined $46 billion in the last three months alone. With oil and gas prices having doubled from a year ago, the results were even stronger than some economists predicted. But we don't have all bad news on the gas price front. We learned over the weekend that prices have now declined for 46 straight days. Gas is now at an average of 4.19 a gallon, and 19 states now have an average of 3.99 or less for a gallon of gas. That brings us almost back to pre-Russia Ukraine war levels, but there are concerns that prices will start going back up again this fall. Another story we're watching closely this week is here at home. Kansas voters will go to the polls on Tuesday to vote to determine the future of abortion in their state. Kansas will be the first state in the union to determine the future of abortion via a statewide vote. On the ballot is whether to alter the language of the state constitution, abolishing the constitutional right for a woman to have an abortion. So back in 2019, the state Supreme Court in Kansas ruled that there was a right to an abortion. But following the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade, uh, Republicans and a whole bunch of pro-lifers in Kansas wanted to put this issue now up to a statewide vote. If a majority of Kansans vote to abolish the constitutional right to have an abortion, then it goes to the state legislature where there's a supermajority of Republicans. They can then write laws that will make it much harder, if not impossible, for a woman in Kansas to get an abortion. The amendment language itself has been criticized as confusing. So when people go to the polls on Tuesday, this is what they'll be voting for and against. It is written in a way so that a yes vote, if you vote yes, you're voting to say there is no constitutional right to an abortion. Voting against the amendment would keep the Constitution as is, meaning that women in the state do have a right to an abortion. So yes means no abortion, no means right to abortion. There hasn't been much reliable polling done ahead of this referendum, so we don't have a great sense of what the result will be on Tuesday, but it is expected to be close. But keep in mind, Republicans have that supermajority in the legislature and will almost certainly have the votes to override a veto of any abortion restrictions that the Democratic governor tries to block. One more thing here, Kansas is in an interesting neighborhood. To the west is Colorado, where abortion is protected. To the north is Nebraska and Iowa, where abortion is still legal, but Republicans are trying to outlaw it. And finishing the circle, to the east is Missouri, and to the south is Oklahoma. Both states have passed some of the most strict abortion bans in the country. So I'm going to be watching the results of this Kansas uh, vote very closely on the Instagram feed Tuesday into Wednesday. If you don't already, please follow me there over at, at Moshe at M-O-S-H-E-H. We lost a couple legends this weekend in sports and entertainment. One of the greatest players in NBA history, Bill Russell, died this weekend. 
Russell, who was 88 years old, helped the Celtics win eight straight titles and 11 overall during his illustrious career. As we look at all those championships, I should note the Hall of Famer won the last two of those 11 while he was also serving as the team's coach. And that was a historic move in and of itself. He was the first black coach in any major sports league in American history. He was also the first black player to be inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame. Bill Russell is also the recipient of a Medal of Freedom. He was given that by President Obama several years ago. And the NBA Finals MVP trophy was named after him about 12 or 13 years ago. The other major loss this weekend was actress Nichelle Nichols. She is best known for her groundbreaking portrayal of Lieutenant Nyota Uhura in Star Trek. Nichols, who died at age 89 this weekend, was a television rarity, a black woman in a prominent role on a primetime television series in the mid-1960s. Her achievement was even marked by Martin Luther King, who called it the first non-stereotypical role portrayed by a black woman. Nichols is also widely known for participating in one of the first interracial kisses on U.S. television when her character, Lieutenant Uhura, kissed James Kirk, portrayed then by William Shatner. A couple legends lost this weekend. I want to stay with entertainment here, and a headline breaking out of the LA Times is that Taylor Swift is telling all of us we need to calm down, at least when it comes to her use of private planes. A study published by The Yard states that since January, Swift has taken 170 flights on her personal plane, which has emitted approximately 9,100 tons of carbon dioxide. A spokesperson for Swift defended the singer after the viral report deemed her the number one celebrity offender when it comes to CO2 emissions from private planes. The rep tells the LA Times that her jet is, quote, loaned out regularly to other individuals and to attribute most or all of these trips to her is blatantly incorrect. The Yard reported that Swift's carbon footprint, or at least the plane that she's on, or sometimes not on, over the last seven months, is nearly 1,200 times higher than what an average person emits in a year. In other words, the amount of CO2 Swift's plane has put out in seven months is equal to what 1,200 of us without private planes put out in a year. By the way, Taylor was not the only person listed in that Yard report, just the one with the most amount of emissions. The uh, other celebrities it talks about are Jay-Z, Blake Shelton, Steven Spielberg, Kim Kardashian, Mark Wahlberg, Oprah, and Travis Scott. Singer Drake has also gotten criticism for his use of planes. We talked a bit about that on the podcast last week. The issue here is that a lot of these entertainers are often talking about their concern for climate change, calling themselves environmentalists. And so you've seen a lot of reports in recent weeks talking about what they're doing and how many emissions they're putting out in their private planes. One last speed read for you, and it was the story we were talking about all last week. It's the Mega Millions jackpot. As of Sunday afternoon, no one has come forward yet to claim the massive $1.3 billion Mega Millions jackpot. The winning ticket to the mind-boggling fortune was sold at the Speedy Cafe Speedway gas station in Des Plaines, Illinois, just outside Chicago, actually not far from where I grew up. But as of right now, I have not heard from any friends or family in the area that they are the big winner. So that's all we know so far, that a ticket was sold at that gas station. But it's unclear to Illinois lottery officials whether the winner was an individual or a pool. And as we all wait to find out the winner or winners, there is a pretty good chance, actually, that we might not know who the identity of the winner is, at least most of us in the public won't know. And that's thanks to an Illinois law that allows people who make more than $250,000 in a jackpot to keep their name secret. Illinois is one of just over a dozen states that actually allow a lot of winners that option of remaining anonymous. And finally, to start your week right, we have our Good Mood Monday story. I really love this one. I was tracking them via their Instagram and Twitter account. It is the Lat 35 Racing Team. They are now the fastest all-female team to row from San Francisco to Hawaii. 
Yes, you heard that right. It's an incredible story of four women braving extreme conditions to break a world record in 2,400 miles of deep ocean. Libby Costello, Sophia Dennison Johnston, Brooke Downs, and Adrian Smith rode from San Francisco to Hawaii in 34 days, 14 hours, and 11 minutes. They began what's called the Great Pacific Race in San Francisco back on June 21st and finally finished it in Honolulu on July 26th. For more than a month, they endured seasickness, rough seas, storms, and they took turns doing two-hour shifts, mostly averaging 90 minutes of sleep per day. They also had to rely on boil-to-order prepackaged meals the entire time. What's even wilder here is that they didn't just break the last record. They broke the last record by a day, by 24 hours. It's really an incredible feat. So if that doesn't give you inspiration to get through your Monday, I don't know what will. With that, I want to thank everyone for listening to the Mo News Daily Podcast. We love your feedback on how we're doing. I got a couple really interesting notes last week. And so I appreciate it, you know, in terms of uh, what we're doing, what we're covering, what you're learning about the news, what you're learning about yourself uh, from the stories we're covering on this podcast. So I'd love to hear you. Please email us, podcast at mo.news. You can also, of course, follow the news with us via my newsletter, monews.bulletin.com. And uh, if you're not already doing it, follow us on Instagram at Moshe at M-O-S-H-E-H, where I'm constantly posting over in the IG stories, the latest and greatest on what's going on. And before you go, don't forget to follow the show, subscribe to the show on the app you're listening to us on, and review us in the App Store. Every single one of you and every single review makes a difference. I'll see everyone back here tomorrow.